Hey, it's Sally Swift from The Splendid Table coming to you, yep, from a quiet room. It's actually a closet in my new studio. I am making do at home just like a lot of you. So I have been checking with people across the country, and while toilet paper is nowhere to be found, the produce aisles seem to be pretty okay so far. So we thought it timely to revisit an interview with, I'm just going to say it, a salad genius. Her name is Eileen Rosen. Without Eileen, I am pretty sure that the kale salad would not have had its day. You can decide how you feel about that. Anyway, she's written a book called Saladish that is packed with unusual ideas about what can make a good salad. And she is one free thinker. So here she is talking with our friend, Russ Parsons. You know, for most cooks, salads often seem like, you know, they're kind of an afterthought. You know, there's a little bit of lettuce, a couple of other things that are added, mainly because you need color, um, a standard dressing. Uh, But you take a very broad and very creative view of salads, even including ingredients like tofu skin and rice cakes, all of which kind of begs the question, just how do you define salad? It, um, you're definitely right. It's definitely a big, broad, bold definition. And for me, it can contain almost anything, uh, grains, beans, legumes, proteins, or not. But usually vegetable-focused, can be cooked, can be raw, or in combination. And I think temperature is really key. I'm a big proponent of serving everything at room temperature or cold And I think that makes the definition feel more fluid and perhaps easier to convince others that uh, that might be harder to convince that that it's a salad. It's just temperature being being key, vegetable focused. And and then any anything that's anything that's available is fair game. What are the hallmarks that make a salad great? What makes it work? I think it's really all about contrast um, in texture and in flavor and textures, um, toothsome, fluffy, crunchy, crispy, hefty. Some, you know, definitely not all. It's a little bit difficult of those things have to be met. And I think um, contrast in flavors, too, that there's richness, sharpness, sweetness, saltiness, and spiciness. And as soon as you hit a couple of different things and put that together, I think it, it all starts to begin to work. I don't think that every single thing has to be colorful. I think monochromatic things can work as well. Uh, it just needs to, you know, be beautiful and visually appealing like all food. That's really interesting. Can you give me an idea of the visual aspect of a monochromatic saddle? What makes that beautiful? I think something that's very, very simple can be beautiful. I have a minimalist side to me as well as, you know, a maximalist side. There's a cucumber salad in the book that simply has a lime, sweet lime vinegar on it, as well as a little bit of tarragon and some black sesame seeds, and they're just thinly sliced cucumbers. And I think it just can be something that looks very elegant, just just being itself. One of the things I really love about the book is all the little asides that kind of, you know, that reflect your attention to detail. You know, there's simple things like toasting the grains before you cook them, um, uh, crisping and curling the shaved vegetables in ice water, and even kind of defining what size and shape bowl you want things to be served in. Uh, That kind of finesse is really important in all kinds of cooking, but why is it especially important with salads? And what are some of your favorite tips? I'm not so sure that it's more important with salad, except perhaps, as you mentioned at the beginning, that maybe people think of the the whole course as, as an aside. 
And I think it really, you know, deserves as much attention as one gives all the rest of, of the things that go on the table. I would say as far as finesse goes, two tips that come to mind in particular. One is layering, which when I make food at my shop is particularly important. If something is going to be served, not necessarily the moment that it's assembled, but a little bit later to quite a bit later, if you have delicate things, perhaps a sprig of an herb or a more sort of gentle leaf that's mixed in with heavier items and dressing that we layer it in instead of tossing it all together. And then as it's going into its serving plate, the more delicate pieces can be layered in, and it helps them from being, you know, mangled, crushed, and, and deflated. Another place that I've been using that lately, we are doing something with roasted eggplant, and it has pickled shiitake mushrooms, chive buds, and enoki mushrooms, and enoki mushrooms, as most people may or may not know, are quite delicate, and they're bright white. So I mix some into the entire salad, and then as I layer it in, I just add some additional and some on top. So not only does it keep them from being crushed, you also, at the top of it, and as you go down, the bright white color remains because it hasn't been all all tossed with the, the darker dressing. Uh, another thing that is important to to know and do, I really, I worship leftovers, and I think that next day things can taste just as well. They may, or even better, they just may not look so fabulous. So if you go through, pick out wilted herbs or leaves or whatever pieces of greens are there and replace them with fresh ones and adding a little bit of reserve dressing or olive oil and salt to taste can make today just as good as yesterday. One of the things that's also interesting is that you, you allow a lot of room for cooks to, um, to adapt your ideas and to make them their own. You've got a series of flow charts and there's one for eggplant salad that I really loved. So can you give us a taste of how this whole, you know, the, the flow chart approach works? Well, one of the reasons that I wanted to do this, it was hard for me to initially when working on the book, forcing things into very specific recipes. I think sometimes it might say in the book, quarter cup of dill. But you know what? If you didn't have a quarter of a cup of dill, you had an eighth of a cup, that might be fine too. And then make up the rest with parsley. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And the idea of always slavishly following a recipe goes a little bit against my, my intuitive, spontaneous uh, way of thinking. So we have a few of these, what you're calling flowcharts, grids, um, that gives you a basic way to cook a vegetable, in this case, the eggplant boats, and then four different approaches to finishing them. And the idea being, of course, you could certainly follow them, but it should hopefully give you the idea that you can come up with something on, on your own, that you can use an idea from something you made yesterday, from this book, any other book, from your own head, things that you have that you can just take something and, you know, approach it any number of different ways and hopefully inspires thinking to go in different directions. One of the things that I think will keep cooks coming back to the book are the, all the little pantry staple gems that you include, um, like quick pickles and chutneys and salsas and different flavored vinegars. What are a few of those that you think are really indispensable that you use a lot in your own home kitchen? I'm glad you said that because personally I love condiments and I, I could make 
a meal out of just condiments. I think pickled red onion may be the most ubiquitous perennial favorite for us at the shop, and it can really enliven just a very basic, simple green salad that has nothing else on it. It works on a sandwich. It's a great condiment for a hot dog or a burger. It can be on a charcuterie or salumi platter. I think um, I would even have them with scrambled eggs. I think it's a pretty universal bit of deliciousness. Another thing, maybe a little bit slightly more unusual from the book that I love, is the sweet lime vinegar. It's on the cucumber salad that I mentioned earlier, which is really a refreshing, you know, warm weather side dish. But the sweet lime vinegar itself is really versatile. It can be technically considered a shrub, a fruit-infused vinegar, and you can have it with seltzer or in a cocktail and just drink it. And the sweet lime vinegar, a.k.a. lime shrub, really keeps forever in the refrigerator. So it's a really handy thing to keep around. Now, when people hear about these things, they may imagine that there's this long, complicated process. I mean, who makes pickles, right? But these quick pickles, like the the red onion, um, they're incredibly easy. Can you walk us through the process? The quickest pickle you can make is just to combine vinegar and as much sugar to your taste, heat it up um, when it boils and the sugar the sugar is melted or infused with any other sort of, you know, spice that you want to put in there, and then you pour it over your your sliced, diced vegetables, and you're done. I mean, it's really it really is that simple, and it's something that you can really play around with and add all sorts of different things into it that, that you would like. And just to add one more thing to quick pickles, another thing I really enjoy pickling are the stems of vegetables that you normally don't put into the salad. So if you're sautéing kale or chard and doing other things, you can leave them long, you can dice them up and save them in in a Ziploc bag in your fridge, and then when you have enough, you can quick pickle them. You can also take pickles that you may have bought already made, the pickles are finished, save the, the liquid that remains in the jar, strain it out, boil it up, and, and use that a second time. So tell me about toasting grains. A lot of times, you know, when people have farro or, or barley or something like that, they, they simply boil it, but toasting really brings out a richer flavor. How do you go about doing that? It can be done um, one of two ways. It can be in a pan on the stovetop, or it can be a sheet tray in the oven. Either way, you know, shake the pan periodically 10 minutes or less usually usually does it. And the nutty flavor that's added, I think, is really something that, that's pretty special and comes through the dish in the end. And I particularly, when using um, pearl couscous, it also adds, visually, it adds something because some of the grains take on um, a darker color. So you actually see it, but the nuttiness is really what you're going for. Eileen, thanks so much for being on Splendid Table. Thank you, Russ. Eileen Rosen is author of Saladish, a crunchier, grainier, herbier, heartier, tastier way with vegetables. Russ Parsons is the author of How to Pick a Peach. You can find a recipe for those cucumbers with black sesame seed and sweet lime vinegar, as well as couscous with an allium mix, that's just a whole bunch of onions, and quick pickled red onions at SplendidTable.org. 
Hey, thanks for checking in. Please take care. Let us know what we can do for you. Find us on social at Splendid Table.